What's going on, Card Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown here, August the 10th, Thursday night. The Dynamic Duo is back together here. Taylor Lynch, Lewis Metzinger with you, as always. we got a great show lined up for you guys tonight. We're talking football, Louisville football, Florida State football as the summer football preview series rolls along this week. Our buddy Ryan Clark of Warchant.com going to join us on this show. We'll also get a little bit of an update uh, from the Louisville football practices. Hear from head coach Bobby Petrino. We'll open this thing up tonight talking about some uh, comments by UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen and take a look at this Sports Illustrated article, uh, the anonymous coaches scouting report, some interesting things said about the Louisville Cardinals. So we'll touch on that as well. Guys, you know how to get in touch with us if you want to. It's the same as it always is. Hit us up on Twitter at the Breakdown UL, or you can get with me at Taylor Lynch or at Lewis Metzinger as well. Make sure, guys, you share the podcast out. Um, our listener numbers these past couple of weeks have been incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, so much for listening and sharing it out. Continue to do that. Please just hit the share button here. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, and share this podcast out, and uh, and we want everybody jumping on board, especially since Lewis, we are just weeks, not months, weeks away from the start of the college football season. I mean, I like to think about it as days, really. I, that's fine with me. We can really go hours if you want to go hours. We, we can, can do that. We can math, sort of, maybe. Yeah, we can figure that out. Neither one of us are back in school yet, but we can uh, we can get our brains our brains going. Yeah, just weeks away from the start of the college football season, and that means that you know we will sit here on this show and make our terrible picks for the big games of the week, just like we did last year. Um, only this year, Lewis, I, I'm going to make it a point that we are actually going to keep a a tally of who picked what games so that at the end of the season we can just see how bad some of our picks were. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep doing that as well. I know that we've missed a couple weeks, so we're going to double up uh, the next two weeks on the College Football Preview Series. Uh, so next week we'll talk Wake Forest in Virginia. The 24th um, we'll talk Syracuse and Kentucky. And then, of course, the 31st will be the Purdue-Louisville Preview Show um, as we head into that weekend with the big game there in Indianapolis. So, with that being said, let's get right into it. Uh, Lewis, first of all, welcome back, buddy. Uh, I've missed you. It's been lonely doing the show by myself. Um, but you've been globetrotting, you know, going on um, what that number six or seven vacation. Uh, it's actually eight. Eight. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Who's who's really counting? Uh so where'd you go? What'd you do? Uh, well, we went on. Uh, we went to Seaside, Florida, um, which we go every year. Well, the past four years, I think we've gone there, um, just with the my immediate family, and then um, like just, I guess my mom's siblings, basically, and their families. So mm-hmm. uh, we got to get you and Shelby down there one week when we're there. Uh, that'd be pretty there you fun. Go. We could do it, man. We'd love to. We'd love to get out for a little while so but while you were gone I, we we did get out we went up to cincinnati and, and had yep. a good uh, little little weekend getaway i feel bad about your game though didn't it, did it get rained out or did it, <sighs> it man okay it, it it didn't get rained out 
it was delayed and then delayed again and then delayed one more time. And it was terribly hot, just disgustingly humid. Um, it sprinkled for about 20 minutes. They brought the tarp out on the field, didn't even roll it out, just had it sitting there. Uh, and then eventually roll the tarp back up and carry it back in. And then we played ball. And then it was an absolute snooze fest of a game. I mean, just it was bad. It was boring. All the scoring happened early in the innings. Um, yeah, it was it was boring. And then the Reds, of course, in true Reds fashion, lost. So, what what else is new? We left after the seventh inning. Um, we had a, there was a bottle of champagne and, and strawberries waiting back at the room for me. So, yeah, we left. But um, that was that was how that went. Not nearly as as fun as being on the beach. But hey. It was a nice little weekend getaway. Um, you know who has fun on the beach? Josh Rosen has fun on the beach. That, kids, is what we call a segue in the business. And that's how we get into talking about these Josh Rosen comments. The chosen Rosen, as I like to call him, um, the UCLA quarterback. Did an interview with Bleacher Report, Lewis, um, a couple of days ago. And this has been the hot-button topic on sports radio these last couple of days. Uh, Rosen basically said that you cannot be an a college football player and a student at the same time. The schedules are too demanding, and it's just not possible. Now, I sent you the link to the article earlier, uh, but as most of the things that I send you go, it probably didn't get read if, <laughs> if I know you the way I think I know you. So I will go ahead then and just and read some of the highlights of, of this uh, article. And it's a lengthy interview, uh, but the part that we're going to read happens kind of in the, in the middle of this interview. Uh, the, the guy from Bleacher Report asks Rosen, uh, you know, on the, on the bright side, even though he was injured last year, it, it probably gave him time to heal and catch up on school. And Rosen says, don't get me started. I love school, but it's hard. It's cool because we're learning more applicable stuff in my major, economics, not just the prerequisite stuff that's designed to filter out people. But football really dents my availability or my ability to take some classes that I need. There are a bunch of classes that are only offered at one time. There was a class this spring that I had to take, but there was a conflict with spring football. So, and the Bleacher Report reporter says, so football wins out. Rosen says, well, you can say that. Um, and then he goes on, uh, the reporter says, so that's the reality for student-athletes playing in a major university. Rosen says, I didn't say that, you did. Look, football and school don't go together. They just don't. Trying to do both is like trying to do two full-time jobs. There are guys who have no business being in school, but they're here because it's the path to the NFL. There's no other way. Then there's the other side that says raise the SAT eligibility requirements. Okay, raise the SAT requirements at Alabama and see what kind of team they have. You lose athletes, and then the product on the field suffers. It's not that they shouldn't be in school. Human beings don't belong in school with our schedules. No one in their right mind should have a football player schedule and go to school. It's not that some players shouldn't be in school. It's just that universities should help them more instead of just finding ways to keep them eligible. Anytime any player puts into school will take away 
from the time they could put into football. They don't realize that they're getting screwed until it's too late. You have a bunch of people at the universities who are supposed to help you out, and they're more interested in helping you stay eligible. At some point, universities have to do more to prepare players for university life and help them succeed beyond football. There's so much money being made in this sport. It's a crime to not do everything you can to help the people who are making it for those who are spending it. Uh, The reporter goes on to ask him about um, some players go make money in the NFL after being prepared by their college programs. And Rosen says, yes, some do, absolutely. Uh, But what about those who don't? What did they get for laying their body on the line play after play while universities make millions upon millions. People criticize when you leave early for the NFL draft and then rip them when some guys who leave early don't get drafted. They say, why didn't or why did you leave school if you weren't going to get drafted? I'll tell you why. Because for a lot of guys, there's no other option. They were either leaving early or flunking out. To me, that's a problem with the, with the system and why we're preparing student-athletes for the future away from football. Everyone has to be a part of the process. And there's, there's more to it, and you can read on. And He talks about wanting to get his degree um, and get an MBA and not just a sociology degree, um, or else he probably could graduate in three years, I guess, in, in his opinion. Um, and you can go on and, and read the rest of that if you want to. But I, when you hear those comments... Lewis and and I know when I heard him the first thing I thought well the the very first thing I thought when I heard that Josh Rosen had a comment about something was oh boy here we go because this is the same guy that had the I think it was the hot tub or the pool or something in his dorm room and then they had to they made him take it like this every time he gets in front of the media Jim Mora Jr. has to cringe because there's no telling what he's going to come off with um so when I when I first saw this, I was like, oh boy. And then you read it, and he does make some valid he he makes some points. We'll we'll say that. Um, I don't I don't know the validity of them, but he does make some points about you know we do get on guys when they don't get drafted, um, and I do think that universities need to do everything that they can to help these guys um, because they are students, uh, not just athletes. But I also think when you're Josh Rosen and you're playing football at UCLA, you can't tell me that you don't have every opportunity available to get help and assistance when it comes to school. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I really, I have a hard time believing that. I get that the schedule is grueling and it's intense. And I've known guys that have played football at UofL and, they can tell you that, you know, it's get up in the morning, go lift, uh, go to class, leave class, go to meetings, uh, go to practice, and then your day's done by 7 or 8, and then you're studying, and then you're doing homework or whatever, and you're going to bed, you're getting up doing it all over again. I get it. It's tough. It's hard. Um, but when you decide to go play college football, you kind of know what you're getting into. I mean, I mean, this is... This is how it is. This is what you do. Um, this is your path to the NFL. I mean, Rosen even said that. But there are guys, and they even mentioned it in this article here about like Artavis Scott and uh, Deshaun Watson, who graduated from Clemson in three years. Um, 
there are guys that can do it and that have done it uh, and gone through the grueling football schedule and still manage to be great students. I mean, if you look at Louisville, um, the highest APR that they've had as a football program, uh, I I think, ever uh, this last school year. So it it can be done. Um, So when I hear these comments from Josh Rosen, I'm just like, man, shut up I mean <laughs> I mean I mean not really but like it's just it's it's aggravating because it kind of just sounds like you're just wanting to complain about something well this is kind of how I think about it and I agree with pretty much everything you said when you I think about it like this because I was in engineering school for a while when you go to engineering school you have to know what comes with the territory if you're going to make the money that an engineering an engineer makes then you're going to have to put in the work that it takes to be an engineer. And so when I signed up for engineering school, I had, there was nothing in my mind that made me think, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. Like, I'm not going to even have to try. I'm just going to have to, you know, go to class and I'm going to come out making, you know, you know, six figures. Like, it, that's not the mentality you go into it with. You know it's going to be hard. You know what it takes. But you know that the payoff is going to be what it is. So for him to complain about the fact that, you know, he has to go to school and be a football player it's like dude this is like you said this is what you signed up for you signed up to eventually make more than all of us most of us combined are ever gonna make exactly so you know you have to put in that additional work you have to not have the life that you potentially you know certain people want to have in college because eventually you're going to be you know making a ton more money than we are and doing something that most people will never get the chance to do so well i don't know about Rosen because I don't know how good he is because I hadn't even heard the name until you said his name earlier so um, yeah I, I don't know you, you you sign up for what you sign up for and if you're going to be making a lot of money like he's going to probably be making eventually yeah then you know that's what it takes and get over it I guess that's all I can really Ex- say I mean, exactly and I mean he mentions you know not being able to take a class um, because of football practice and you know that was the only time he could take the class so he didn't get to take it well, I'm sorry, but you're not the only student that runs into that, Josh Rosen. I mean, my girlfriend Shelby is not a – well, she's an athlete, but she's not an athlete at UofL. And there are still, with her own schedule, there are classes that she needs to take that she can't take because she doesn't have time because she's got five other classes that she has to take. So, I mean – you're not alone in that. Like, that happens to everybody. Um, that sucks you didn't get to take the class, but maybe you'll get to take it again another time, um, another semester. So, I mean, you're not the only one that happens to it. And I just have a hard time with this, Lewis, because we talked about this off-air before we got started. You and I both have full-time jobs. Um, we both have the podcast. Um, I work on it all week, you know, whether it's calling guests or, you know, trying to trying to get all of that situated um i'm also a musician you've got all of your editing and all of your video work that you do and you do a damn good job at it and both of us are full-time students as well now i don't you also live on your own i still live with my mom and dad but you have the added pressure of being on your own and having bills that need to be paid and you know at some point, I got to go to the grocery and do this and this and this. So, I mean, if if you and I, with everything that we do, 
can still find a way to put ourselves through college, then I, I, I don't know. I, I have a hard time feeling sorry for Josh Rosen, who gets to do what he loves to do, which is play football. Now, some may argue that his heart's not necessarily in it, but that's another argument for another day. Um, but he gets to do what he loves to do on a daily basis and get a premier education at UCLA and not pay a dime for it. So if that means that you don't get to take an econ class right now and you may have to take it next semester because you still have football practice that you have to schedule around, I'm sorry, but you are not getting a tear from me. Um, because if somebody told me, you know, you could go do music and you could, or you could go cover sports and we would pay for your college education, do you know how freaking happy I would be? And I would do it all day long. I don't care. I don't care when I'd have to take classes because somebody else is paying for it. And that, I mean, but another thing I'm going to be in mind is, and this is not true of every player or every athlete. And I'm not saying that in any way, but for guys like this, that this is so stereotypical, a quarterback in California, like you're going to have a little bit of an ego and a little bit of, you're going to be a, probably a <laughs> little self-centered. So I'm not sure that he has the the head on his shoulders to, to maybe think this way because I don't really think real life has hit him yet. So maybe give him a little bit of time in that department. But, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like, just honestly, you just want to scream at him, like, get over yourself, dude. Like, that's just life. I, exactly. And when life smacks you in the face, it hurts sometimes. Um, so, But, yeah, I, you're not you're not getting a tear out of me. Not, not even, not even kind of, because we we bust our butts. I'm gonna be in debt forever, um, and I I know you're probably in the same boat. I mean, I need to hurry up and have kids so that they can pay my debt for me, and I don't have to worry about taking it to the grave. I mean, that's that's the point we're gonna be at. So I, I yeah, sorry, sorry, Josh, um, but you're not getting any sympathy from me. And he talks about in the end of the article. Uh, about wanting to, you know, own his own business at some point and, and all of this stuff. And again, I hate to be stereotypical, but I'm going to jump on that bandwagon with you. You're the freaking quarterback at UCLA. If you want to own your own business in the city of Los Angeles, do you really think that, you know, making sure you've got that econ degree, that, you know, somebody's not going to loan you money to own your own business? Mm, I, yeah, no, I think your cachet of being Josh Rosen, the former UCLA quarterback, will probably get you just about whatever you want in that town. Especially if UCLA is as good as they could be this year, and Josh Rosen is probably going to be one of the three quarterbacks taken um, in the beginning of the draft. So, I don't know. But I, I heard that, and I needed to jump on my soapbox um, for that. Guys, if you want to hit us up, again, you know how to do it. It's at Lewis Metzinger or at Taylor Lynch or hit us up on Twitter at the Breakdown UL. Check out the site thebreakdownul.com. There will be um, there will be lots of stuff going up on the site here soon as we are inching ever closer to the college football season. We will be joined here in just a little bit um, by our friend Ryan Clark of Wordchant.com as the summer football preview series rolls along, and we will talk. Florida State Seminoles. 
this afternoon. Uh, the Cardinals head to Tallahassee October the 21st for what should be an incredible game between the Cards and the Seminoles. Still a lot to get to on the show tonight. Uh, we will have a little bit of an update on Louisville football practice. Um, we'll hear a little from Bobby Petrino. We'll also talk, because Lewis and I haven't had the chance to, uh, expectations for this upcoming football season. Um, it's kind of been all over the place. A lot of preseason polls are starting to come out. We've seen the coaches poll uh, had the cards at 17. The Sports Illustrated poll, uh, I think, had them up at 14. The AP poll should come out in the next couple of weeks, so we will know exactly that's the little number that's going to be next to them when they play Purdue. Um, so we'll know that here soon. I also really can't wait to get into this. Uh, that Sports Illustrated, speaking of SI, this anonymous coaches scouting report. Um, this is this is interesting. There's there's some juicy stuff here, especially uh, when they get talking about. Louisville, and they go through, it's basically the the Sports Illustrated's top 25 uh, that they released. They go through that and then um, talk about the the coaches there, and they all interview each other, or they, they interview these coaches and they give their feedback about these teams in the top 25. So we'll, we'll get to that as well. Uh, but right now, we are really Excited to be joined on the show again by our buddy Ryan Clark of Warchant.com covering the Florida State Seminoles. Joining us this evening to talk a little Florida State here as part of the summer football preview series. Ryan, welcome in, buddy. How's it going? Oh, good, my friend. How are you doing? You know, we are doing well. We are just weeks away from the college football season, man. We can you can almost smell it. So we're we're excited and, and ready to get it underway. We're not gonna keep you too long tonight, Ryan, because we know You've got other commitments and things you got to get to, so we appreciate you taking the time out and joining us. Um, last year for Florida State, kind of a a weird year. I guess it was a a, a weird ten and three record. Um, there were definitely some downs, um, definitely a whole lot of ups, um, and then again finished the year at ten and three. This year, it looks like they are going to be absolutely loaded. We know about DeAndre Francois. Um, we know about the defense. What are your expectations coming into this year based on what you've seen at practice so far um, as the Knowles are just about, I would imagine, two weeks into fall camp? Um, what are what sense are you getting for what we can expect from this Florida State team? Well, I think this is a team that understands mistakes can be costly. And they, they realized it last year against UNC. They saw it against Louisville, though you could argue how much of that was mistakes versus good game planning versus Lamar Jackson just playing out of his mind. Um, but they also saw another games too, like Clemson, where they lost by, I believe it was three points. And so this is a team I think that understands you have to be focused all the time. Um, and, and the way that coaching staff has kind of treated practices has indicated it. I mean, they've shown praise when they've needed to, but they've also been very critical uh, when needed as well. And I think as far as what to look for from FSU, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for the height, but I think this team and anyone who follows it learned last year that while there's expectations, there's also reality. Because this time a year ago, people thought, hey, this team's going to the college football playoff. Well, there were some things people under or overestimated. And this year, I think no one is overlooking anything. When you're having conversations about the lack of wide receiver depth, the questions at offensive line, all these other things that they've got going on, 
people are aware that while this team has talent and it's good, it's not the finished product yet. Let's dive into this team a little bit here. Like I said, we know about DeAndre Francois, 3,350 yards last year, 20 touchdowns as a redshirt freshman, uh, but took quite the beating. He's coming into his redshirt sophomore year now. Um, what is the coaching staff looking for as far as progression from Francois? I think from him, they're just looking at making quicker, smarter decisions because while he didn't throw a lot of interceptions or you know, commit a lot of turnovers, there were moments when he held onto the ball for a bit too long, and that's one of the reasons why he took a pounding. It's not the reason, but it's up there among the reasons why it happened. So I think for him, they're just looking at that, but also I think being a bit more vocal, he's a quiet personality because when you think about this offense, I mean, you do have a lot of young guys. You know, last year the, the beauty of it was DeAndre Francois was insulated by experience. Now Dalvin Cook is gone. Rod Johnson, Kareem Argon, Bobo, Wilson, Kermit Whitfield, Travis Rudolph, all guys who are either juniors or seniors are gone. Um, and now this offense is on him. And to take away Alec Everly, who is um, the starting center, DeAndre Francois all of a sudden is the most experienced player in the offense in regards to the amount of total starts. So it's just it's going to be leadership for me. You mentioned there, gone is Dalvin Cook, but we're hearing a lot of good things, and you saw a lot of good things in flashes last year from Jacquez Patrick, um, who looks like, I mean, he could just be a battering ram. He's 6'2", 231 pounds, um, just trucked people last year in his playing time, especially when Dalvin was out. Um, is this coach, Is the coaching staff just comfortable with Jacquez Patrick now stepping into that role as the featured back Um and do you think he fits that role as a featured back? Well, this year, FSU is going to lean toward going back to a split back system and using a rotation, which is what it did uh, before Dalvin Cook took off, really. And so with, with uh, Patrick, there's someone, I mean, he's someone that they're comfortable with. There's no denying it. Jimbo Fisher has said it on day one of camp that he's the team starting running back. and you know, A lot can be expected of him. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be the only featured back. Uh, you're going to see Amir Rasul, someone that Fisher raved about last year. He rarely played, but Fisher has been high on him because he's a guy who's quick. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he's a four-star that they snagged out of South Florida. He's a former Miami D commit, too. And then, of course, there's Cam Akers, who he's one of two five-star running backs they signed in this class. And Akers, you know, look, Akers was one of the five best players in the nation, according to rivals at, at any position. He looked good in spring. He had 82 yards in rushing in the spring game, he certainly has opened a lot of eyes. And so the thought is, between Patrick, Akers, and Rasul, that's what FSU is going to you know, rotate between. But it wouldn't be a surprise if one of those three maybe stands out and starts seeing a lion's share of the carry. But for now, one would think it's going to be the, the three of those guys in rotation. You mentioned, Ryan, the, the playmakers that are gone around DeAndre Francois now. So that begs to... to bring the question about who is he going to throw the ball to uh, at wide receiver now for Florida State this year? Well, you have two players that come to mind. That's Nyquil Murray and Odd Tate. Both are juniors. And with Murray, he's about 5'11", 170, 180. And the belief is he can be the all-around threat that this offense is sorely lacked in that he can stretch the field. He can go vertical. He can go underneath. Um, I mean, he showed it in the second half of last season. And against Michigan, he only had two catches, but both of them were touchdowns. 
Auburn tastes a bit more of the fascinating one in my perspective because around here there's a fascination with big receivers. Ever since Kelvin Benjamin, the stand base, the people who cover this team, people who write about recruiting have all asked the question, who's the next Kelvin Benjamin? And right now, Auden Tate might be the closest thing they've had to, to a salvo. He's 6'5", 225. He caught about 400 and more than 400 yards uh, last year and six touchdowns. He's the leading returner in terms of touchdown receptions. Um, but Auden's a guy that, like Nyquan Murray, has a lot of talent and a lot of potential. But between the two of them, they have six career starts. And when you go beyond those two, you're looking at a wide receiver group where none of them have any starts. Um, Keith Gavin, he's a sophomore and doesn't have a, a collegiate reception. DJ Matthews and Tamori and Terry, while promising, are still freshmen. And, you know, freshmen do take time to learn in the Fisher offense unless you're a superstar in a sense. Um, Devontae Phillips, who was a junior, is suspended indefinitely for uh, five felony charges related to theft. Mm. And then you've got George Campbell, who, while George Campbell's really gifted, he missed last year with a core muscle injury. He was limited in spring with the injury. And while there's expectations, there's also a reality of how, how far can he go with that injury. And so you've got names that you can put in place, but we have all those question marks on top of the fact that you just converted Malik Jackson, a senior defensive back who rarely played, and now you're saying, hey, you can play wide receiver. I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you got a point there. When you're converting DBs to wide receiver, uh, that's a little scary. Ryan Clark, our guest here at Warchant.com. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter uh, for all the latest on Florida State. Uh, Ryan, last year this offense for Florida State, despite the issues on the offensive line, 21st in the nation in offensive efficiency. Um how much better can this offense be this year if they can get some steady play from the offensive line? Because, trust me, we have become experts here in Louisville on offensive line play. Um, because after <laughs> after watching the way Louisville played last year on the offensive line, we are like zoned in on every little nuance of O-line play. So, if and and that has been the the thought here is that you know if this if the Louisville offensive line can just be average how much better the Louisville offense and Lamar Jackson will be. And I get the feeling that it's probably a little bit of the same there at Florida State. Just if the Florida State offensive line can just be average, DeAndre Francois will just take off. I mean, the thought is it seems to be average, but there's so much where people are asking for them to be beyond average. You know, you look at the last four games of the 2016 season, FSU allowed seven sacks against Florida, which is the top five defense. Mm -hmm. They didn't allow a single sack or commit a false start penalty, period. And those have been issues that had really played this line the last, I think it's fair to say, two to three seasons. And so the thought with FSU is, yes, they need this line to be consistent, but they also need guys to live up to potential. So Landon Dickerson was a freshman last year. He was the number one guard in the nation in 2016. If it's not for a knee surgery um, and tearing his ACL in early November, maybe he's a freshman All-American, or at least that's what Brian Burns, who was a freshman All-American, thinks. And that's what he told me on media day. But when you look at the rest of that line, if Alex Eberle doesn't win that job, which right now is looking like he will, David Johnson, who's the number one center in the nation in 2016, he's going to fight for that job. And that's just it. Is the way this line looks right now, you have five guys that, I mean, not to sound pokey or anything, yes, they all come with their own story, but they all come with some sort of expectation. Rick Leonard was moving defensive end to, to tackle. 
and it's because, you know, Jimbo Fisher and offensive line coach Rick Trickett think with his brain, he could be a star not only in college, but possibly in the NFL because of his build. And there's been talk about if you kind of Sam Irving 2.0 in terms of, you know, converting a defensive lineman into being uh, an offensive lineman for Stickerson, it's ever like, you know, Cole Minshew and Derek Kelly are guys who are redshirt juniors and, and people kind of want to know, well, excuse me, Cole Minshew's the redshirt sophomore who's been hurt and people want to see more from him. So like Derek Kelly's a redshirt junior, he's kind of been uh, outside looking in. Is this the year he breaks through? So I think people want them to be consistent, but I also think this fan base is asking for them to be uh, above average just because, you know, this could realistically be your last year with DeAndre Francois. Who knows? Now don't tell me, Ryan, that football fans in the state of Florida are not being rational. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, don't tell me we're I not expecting too much. I think you take out the part in the state of Florida. I mean, I think it's, <laughs> when it's the silly season, it, it really and truly is where, you know, I, I, I think most fans have optimism that their team can be better. If your team was over last year, you're looking at the schedule going, they should win two or three games because this team got better or this opposing team got worse. Right. If your team went 10-3, and three, you're looking at, oh, we could, you, we could either go 12-1 and one or – Maybe you only win eight games. I mean, everybody just, because of the time of the year, everybody gets excited. And then I think, of course, two or three months in, you look back and go, well, I didn't see that coming. I'm sure Syracuse fans didn't see a six foot three, 220 pound quarterback leaping over their defensive backs <laughs> to start the season, but it happened. Like, you I'm can't sure erase that. I'm sure people, you know, two years ago in Louisville said, man, Reggie Bonifant is going to win this job, and this Lamar Jackson kid's going to have to wait his time. And who knows if he'll ever amount to anything? I mean, it's so hard to predict this time of year. It really is. It's so funny that you said that because that was everybody was singing Reggie Bonifant's praises. Um, and then he goes and he beats Notre Dame and at Notre Dame, and then it just the, the legend of Reggie Bonifant just continued to grow. And and now here we are uh, with Lamar Jackson as the first Heisman winner at Louisville. So it's it's funny how things change. Um, Ryan Clark's oh, our guest here, warchant.com. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say you're right. I mean, it is funny how things change. Cause, I mean, I covered Lamar in high school, and he was someone that, you know, when he committed to Louisville, everyone was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And he was just so quiet about everything. And of course, the last two weeks, hey, will he go to Florida? Will he go to Louisville? What will he do? And then, of course, people, they see him and they go, well, maybe it'll take him time. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, let's build a shrine of him in front of Papa John. But said shrine will be either him leaping over someone or outrunning Rajon Ronda. Again, <laughs> August, where everything makes sense except for the fact that sense doesn't make sense. I do wonder this, Ryan, and I remember the last time we talked and you mentioned covering Lamar Jackson in high school. How much was Florida State in on him, or were they at all? Um, what I heard is an amalgamation of different things in that he was interested in FSU, but it just never materialized for one reason or the other. Um, and then, of course, Louisville happened, and that's where he wanted to be. Um, and the other thing about FSU at that time, too, is FSU that year at one point had three kids committed to quarterback, Ty Loxley, DeAndre Johnson, DeAndre Francois. And so with those three, why would you take on one more? I mean, mm-hmm. You could argue three was too many. Loxley decommits to Texas. Okay, then you still have two. Season's about to start. And then, of course, DeAndre Johnson, the whole nightclub incident. Yeah. He's booted from the team. 
And at that point, not that you're left with Francois, but look how that's turned out. But, I mean, that's why. It's just simply numbers and just a matter of where you can fit guys in. Few more here before we get you out of here, Ryan. Uh, let's look at this defense because before we got you on, we were talking about the uh, anonymous coaches uh, in the SI article and talking about each team in the top twenty-five. And the one thing that one of the coaches said about Florida State was that you know it could be the the best defensive line, best defensive backs in that they've seen. Um, and it looks like that will very well be the strength of this Florida State team again on that D line. And at the uh, defensive back position, now you get Derwin James back. You've got Josh Sweat uh, on the D-line. You have obviously Derwin James in the, in the defensive backfield. But what do you think will be the strength or strengths of this Florida State defense this year? I, I really think it's the depth and experience they have along the line and in the secondary. So let's start with the line. You've got Derek Nani to Marcus Christmas, who they're back. They're both two players who between them have 63 career games, 37 career starts. Their backups, Fred Jones and Wally Ime, played in all 13 games. FSU had 23 guys play 13 games last year. Four of them were defensive tackles. Gosh. You keep that in mind, and then you realize they signed Marvin Wilson, who's the number one defensive tackle in the nation. And now the question is, how do you fit him into that rotation, or do you not fit him into that rotation and give him a year to develop? And that's a big question, and it says a lot to the depth they have. You look at defensive end, there's a load of talent between Brian Burns and Josh Sweat, but there are concerns. Can Sweat stay healthy throughout a whole season? Because we saw him um, skip out, not skip, but you know, be held out of practice on, on Sunday uh, you know, just because he didn't look right. Um, but then you also wonder, how will Josh Kando transform into going from this five-star phenom who is the number one weak side defensive end in America to being a contributor now and the way this coaching staff talks about him, they say he's going to be a faster DeMarcus Walker. DeMarcus Walker was the second-round pick. Um, but then you've got other pieces like Janarius Robinson, um, Jalen Wilkinson, Wilkerson, guys that, you know, they can provide good depth, but you want to see how well they do. And then in that secondary, I mean, it starts and ends with Derwin James. No need to really expand on that one. Tavares McFadden led the nation in interceptions, so you have that too. You've got a secondary that between guys like Trent Marshall, who's experienced, and Andrews, who's experienced. Um, we saw younger guys like Tom Myers, Carlos Becker, um, just all those guys, A.J. Westbrook. They all got experience last year. So you're trying to fill Mar- Marquez White's spot at corner, but here's your options. You could either go with former five-star Levante Taylor, who was the number one corner in the nation in 2015, or excuse me, 2016, or you could go with Stanford Samuels Jr., who is a top 10 cornerback and a 6'1", about 180, and you could use him as well. So depth at those positions and experience is what I'd say. It's an embarrassment of riches, basically, on the defense for Florida State this year. Uh, Ryan Clark, our guest here at Warchant.com. Ryan, as we look at the schedule for Florida State, obviously the big one, they open the year with Alabama. Uh, then they've got Miami at home. NC State is at home. Louisville is at home. They travel to Clemson and to Florida this year. When you look at this schedule for Florida State, are you seeing 12 wins, 11 wins, 10 wins? Look into that Ryan Clark crystal ball for me that we all know is always correct. And what do you think for this Florida State team this year? For now, I'll say between 10 and 12 wins. 
just because it's easy again to look in August and say, this is how things are going to play out, and they don't. Because, I mean, hey, Matt Barkley's senior year, FC was just supposed to go through everyone and conquer Rome, mm-hmm. cure cancer, <laughs> and create the hyperloop, and that never happened. 10 to 12 is more than fair, but in order to keep people here happy, it has to be closer to 12. Um, I mean, no one knows what Clemson's going to look like this year, and I think that's a mystery. Alabama, look, if they, if they lose to Alabama and if it's within seven points, there's, there's going to be disappointment, but there's also going to be that feeling of, okay, you're right there. It's just really a matter of the play. If they beat Alabama by more than 14, this team is screwed for the whole year because then everyone's going to expect them to win all the time by this massive amount, and that's just unrealistic. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I think 12 wins is, is 11 to 12 is more than fair because you don't know what's going to happen to Alabama. Some people want to write off Miami, but I think not yet because, I mean, they, they do look better, and there's mm-hmm. excitement down there. Louisville's going to be really good. Now, that said, that's going to be a fascinating game just because yes. the whole revenge factor, can you start stop an RPO quarterback, so on and so forth. Florida is a game you think they'll win. Um, I know some people I've heard have asked questions about NC State because that's a sneakily good team that almost beat Clemson last year. So, yeah, I think 12 is, is, is fair, but I also think, too, that you know it's easy to say this now, but if three months from now, DeAndre Francois is injured, or someone at one of those other schools takes off. Next thing you know, the dynamic has changed. So, yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. How often, Ryan, do we say this? I feel like we say it all the time about NC State being, this could be NC State's year, and this could be Miami's year. Uh, do you really feel like this could be NC State's year, this could be Miami's year, or are we, we going to be right back here next year saying the same thing about these two teams again? Who, who the hell knows? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think with NC State, like you look at the facilities, you look at how they recruit, who they recruit, and you say, okay, it should come together at some point. With Miami, you look at who they recruit, the momentum that's going on there, the fact that they played FSU really close the last few years. It's not necessarily you wonder, oh, is this the year that they beat FSU? But you just kind of wonder, like, is this the year when Miami takes control of the Coastal? And I think that's always going to be a question. Um, any year they have talent, which is every year, that's always going to be a question. Um, so at this point, I mean, maybe. I think if NC State wins eight or nine games, that's a great year for them. I think Miami wins nine or ten games. That's a great year for, for Miami. Um, but it's just hard to say. But I just think that, again, you look at the schedule, it's, it's hard to overlook people because we heard members of this team say last week the biggest problem FSU had was is it wanted to overlook certain teams. And that's how they got in trouble against someone like North Carolina. If they don't overlook teams, they have a shot at winning games, and then they have a shot at controlling games. If they overlook teams or underestimate teams, it's going to be a battle. It's just that simple. Ryan Clark, WarChant.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore S underscore Clark. Ryan, we appreciate the time, man. Always great talking to you. Uh, give Jimbo our best down there in Tallahassee, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you game week uh, when the Cards and the Seminoles get together at the end of October. Ryan, be safe, brother. We'll talk to you. Hey, you got it. Take care. Ryan Clark there, warchant.com, joining us on the program. Some really good insight there uh, on the Florida State Seminoles. I didn't realize 
and maybe I knew it, but I, I just didn't know I knew it. They lost a lot on offense. I mean, when you look at the guys surrounding DeAndre Francois, there are some noticeable holes now on that offense. I think we lost. Yeah, I got you now. Yeah, Sorry. they they definitely did. I mean, and it's it's kind of like the tale of I, I can't say the whole ACC because I don't know as much about the whole ACC. But same goes for Clemson. Uh, I mean, honestly, yes. same goes for us. I mean, we have a lot of new pieces um, mm-hmm. coming in, so it's kind of kind of be kind of be a mystery. Like it's going to be really really interesting. I'm fascinated to see. You know, Dabo Sweeney's going to put together a solid product, but I'm very interested to see the caliber of Clemson's team this year, as well as Florida State. Um, it's going to be a little little more intense because Clemson is coming here, so we're going to you know, be focused a lot, I think, much more on that game than we maybe would be the, um, the Florida State game since we have to go to Florida State. But, yeah, it's going to be really, really fascinating. The one note I got that I thought was funny from, um, from talking to Ryan was when he mentioned, or when I, I can't remember if it was you or him, um, about having one of their DBs become a wide receiver. I was thinking to myself that whole time, yeah. dude. I would not mind one single bit if Jair was a uh, became a wide receiver. <laughs> I would not mind at all. Give me that all I, day. Yeah, I mean, he played wide receiver in high school, so I, I mean, when he first committed to Louisville, that was a legitimate conversation. Was do you play him some at wide receiver, uh, or do you keep him? as a DB. So, yeah, I mean, I would have no issues at all if Jair Alexander wants to, you know, rotate in and catch a couple balls uh, from Lamar Jackson. I mean, that dude that had, would he not has be an hands, issue. So it's like, yes. I mean, we, just, we saw some of his picks this year. I mean, give me it all day, dude. Oh, yeah. No, I'll take Jair Alexander uh, catching Lamar Jackson's slants over the middle uh, and then just turning on the Jets and blowing past people. Give me, give me Jair Alexander in the slot on one side Trevion Samuel on the other, Reggie Bonifon in the backfield, and Lamar Jackson at quarterback. If I'm a DB, my head explodes and spins around because I don't know who I'm going to cover. Um, yeah, that would be that would be something. If if I'm Bobby Petrino, I, but I I don't know. I don't know if you uh, if you risk your All American uh, <laughs> in Jair Alexander like that. I don't know if if I put him. Uh, if I put him out there any more than I have to. Uh, guys, again, make sure hit us up on Twitter at the Breakdown UL, at Lewis Metzinger, at Taylor Lynch. Share out the podcast. Again, big thanks to Ryan Clark for joining us. We always love when he comes on the show. Uh, always provides some great insight there, so we appreciate that. Um, I teased this like 455 times so far um, in this almost hour that we've been going here. This Sports Illustrated anonymous coaches, um, and now we're finally going to get to it. They went through every team in the top 25 It interviewed several coaches about these guys. We don't know who they are, um, but it would be fun to try to figure it out. Um, but here is what uh, they had to say about Louisville. That guy, Lamar Jackson, is a stud. I like him better than I liked Clemson's Deshaun Watson last year. Jackson has a stronger arm. He's not as steady a guy as Watson was, but it's not even close athletically. Watson could get 20 yards on a run. With Jackson, he's gone. You can have him pinned in, and he'll make three guys miss, outrun your whole defense, and pick up the first down. He needs to run well because their O-line is below average. Their tight ends 
<laughs> isn't it? That's coach speak. Um, their tight ends, junior Mickey Crum and senior Charles Stanberry, are good players, and their receivers, Jalen Smith and sophomore Seth, Seth Dawkins, are adequate. Mm, yeah. No, I wouldn't either. You haven't seen enough of Seth Dawkins if you're calling him adequate. Um, they look the part, but they drop a lot of balls, which is true. Um, we saw that quite a bit last year. Um, there were plenty of drop balls. Uh, but then you also had the one-handed catch by Seth Dawkins, which was so sweet. Um, and then this, whoever this was goes on to say, uh, Coach Bobby Petrino calls the plays, and he's good. But when adversity hits, he hurts that team. He'll add to the problem because he'll scream at the kids and their heads will go down. That one kind of, I don't really know how I feel about that. Because I mean, Petrino I, is no question about it is a hothead, but oh, yeah. his kids love to play for him. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I yeah don't that one kind of, that one got me because I, I go back and I think about, you know, what is, I'm I'm like thinking about his sideline demeanor this whole year. Um, so I just I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, obviously, yes, he, he screams and yells at the kids, um, but so does just about every coach in college football. Um, you would scream and yell at James Quick too if he was a yard short. Um, <laughs> that's true. I feel like are we ever. Because this is like a side note, but James Quick had a hell of a career at Louisville, and I feel like the only thing we're going to remember is that he was a yard short. Yeah, James Quick is is the football equivalent to Wayne Blackshear. So whenever ever anything <laughs> happens bad, I'm just going to be like, oh, it's just like James Quick. That's the same thing I do to, about <laughs> Wayne Blackshear. Anytime anyone – doesn't matter if Wayne Blackshear has been graduated for four years, I'm going to be like, he's just like Wayne Blackshear. Even though I, I loved it. Wayne, like he was a great guy and a great player in the end and, you know, helped us win a championship, but I don't know. I, I don't either. I hope James I hope James has a great career at Washington. I think it's a really good spot for him, uh, being that they do need wide receiver help. Um, so I hope he does well there, but I was, that just got me thinking. Um, they go on to say, they were the best defense we faced last year. Very talented, very aggressive, sometimes overly aggressive. Uh, third and Grantham. Last year, we tried to throw a lot to the perimeter to get it out of our quarterback's hands in a hurry. Their DBs are big-time athletes. That's the one thing that jumps out at you <laughs> with this defense. Jair Alexander is a great cover guy with great feet. He's the best corner we saw last year. I would love to know who this was. Because I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if... Sorry, I literally just put a cookie in my mouth. I would not be surprised what else is if that was um, Dabo. I mean, with the game that Jair had against them, I know they won, but that's true. He had a monster Ooh, I didn't game. even think about that. I didn't think about that. We need to go back and watch the film and see if they threw to the perimeter a lot to try to get the ball out of Deshaun Watson's hands. Um, yeah, I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. And I, I'm trying to remember if the defense was overly aggressive in that game. Um, I mean, I, uh, I feel like every game yeah, the defense got overly I was aggressive. Say, yeah. <laughs> I can't really think I don't of know. one where we weren't 
we didn't have a couple third and Granthams, but oh gosh, you know that that is one thing that I think Peter Sermon is going to have. People are going to have some leniency uh, with Peter Sermon and his defense this year because as long as he keeps us out of third and Grantham, was well, it going to be third and Sermon? Oh, oh, I hope not. If it is, though, retweet because you said it yep. first. Hashtag um, third and Sermon. Yeah. Oh. Mm. I hope he's out there like giving a sermon, like he baptizes the opposing offense. And you're you're stretching a little sacks. bit. But. I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be something we could do with his last name. Uh, we'll work on that. We'll we'll get the uh, research and development department here at the breakdown uh, to to work on something like that for him. But yeah, so the, I thought that was interesting though. Um, the the one that still sticks with me, and I just don't know how I feel about it, is, is the comment about Petrino, um, which makes me think maybe this is Dave Clawson. I mean, he has <laughs> nothing but good things to say. Apparently, <laughs> maybe maybe this is the Wake Forest coach. I don't know. Um, so that that was interesting, and again, there's there's ones about every single team in the Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated uh, top twenty five. So you can go on there and check that out if you want to. This it's an interesting read um, if you've got the time to do that. So again, like I said, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, please do so. We want to hear what you've got to say, um, and make sure you share out the podcast as well. Uh, Lewis, spring practice, or spring practice, listen to me. No, I don't want spring practice. Fall camp um, is underway, has been underway. They're into week two now of camp. Um, and we're hearing lots of good things, especially with the freshmen on this uh, on this Louisville football team, really making some noise and pushing for playing time. Um, Bobby Petrino sat down for a few minutes uh, after practice yesterday and spoke to the media a little bit, and uh, we've actually got that here for you, so we'll go ahead and play that. This is Bobby Petrino yesterday post-practice. Um, I like the way camp's going. I think we're doing a good job. we still got a, a lot of work on um, knowing who's going to be the depth, and each person has work on individual technique understanding of the playbook you know when you add the the newcomers and the freshmen to everything there's too many mistakes out there right now but that that happens um till you till you settle in and you know really just work two groups but right now we're working three groups um you know offensively uh, a couple days ago we had some live work malik really did a great job running the football broke tackles got yards after contact uh it was great to see you know, his speed showed up, and he's very, very fast. Uh, and we opened some holes for him, so that was good to see too. What makes it different is because our coaches more, I think they steady on us nonstop is because how we ended last year. So it's, it's more this year. It's more making sure we consistent with everything. So that's what makes a big difference. Is that what's feeling you guys? You guys think about that a lot, how last year ended? It's not really thinking about what exactly how it ended. It's just more of how we can get better and make sure we can stay consistent at all times of practice and, and hopefully it carry on through the game. And last year, I felt like we were a little, I mean, not undersized, but it was more, it wasn't, the whole line wasn't as big as we are now. I mean, of course, we're more experienced now than last year, but I think that's going to be a big difference, our size and us moving people off the ball. Kobe was saying the other day, you've got some different guys and versatility. What do you feel like your role is in that room? I mean, I feel like, 
we can all do it all. Like Reggie can catch out the backfield. I can catch out the backfield. Jeremy can too. Um, just need us where we need us. What was the response in that room when Coach decided to move Reggie? Um, excited. I mean, we're ready to welcome him in. Uh, we know he can do it all. I mean, it's a wide variety. I feel like we could work on more plays and uh, all of us get the ball, have a lot of athletes on the field, have a thing called feed the studs. So it's a lot of us on the field. So you heard a little bit there from Jaron Christian and Malik Williams as well uh, on top of Bobby Petrino. And, and just, again, Bobby doing what he's done um, for most of you know fall camp is praising Reggie Bonifant at running back. Um, and you and I haven't really got to talk very much about this, but how do you feel about Reggie Bonifant at the running back position? Um, I, I can see him being used um, – more so for catching out of the backfield um, mm-hmm. rather than just a straight give because um, he's not – well, I was about to say he's not that big, but if you saw the picture that I retweeted like last <laughs> week, the dude is an absolute hoss. Um, yeah. yeah. He's got to be like 100% muscle. Um, but Nobody fat on Reggie Bonifant. Absolutely not. Patino would be very proud. Um, oh, yeah. But he's not he, – I guess he's he's more like trim. Um, he's not a real beefy back um, like Jeremy Smith. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm definitely not against it. I think I really hope that Petrino uses him this year, like we thought he was going to last year, um, and just to kind of get Agreed. get creative with it. And I hope they do the same with Travion Samuel because there are so many freakish athletes on this team from. Uh, Lamar Jackson all the way to the defense in Jair like we have a bunch of just freak freak athletes so I really hope that we get to take advantage of that um, in all different ways more so than we definitely did last year I think last year was kind of experimental um, in a sense because it was Lamar's first full year um, behind center so it was like you didn't really know what was going to happen. You knew he was a monster, but you didn't really know how he was going to adopt the whole offense. But I think now that he's had a year under his belt, commanding the team the whole time, winning a Heisman, going through all that press and stuff, I think this year him really being able to learn the offense and be able to read defenses and stuff, um, which I heard an interview with Nick Petrino, and he was talking about how they did some drills and Lamar was able to uh, check all the defenses, um, got it 100% right. So... Um, just knowing that, I think Petrino will have a more open playbook than he did last season. I like that. I like open playbook. I like, you know, every every passing pattern is out there and available to use. And, and I feel like it really just – it makes Lamar Jackson that much more dangerous when you give him the full playbook uh, to run with. So, no pun intended there. So, that's that's – that's pretty fun. I, that excites me. Um, I think this running back group is deep. Um, I think I was really excited about Colin Wilson, and then we hear that he's injured his hand now. Um, so I don't know if you if you redshirt him or or not, but I would love to see him out there. I know that, um, and I heard this this morning um, that it looks like maybe Day Williams. We could potentially see him in October. Um, coming off the ACL, he's running right now. Um, so the, we could potentially get some more running back depth headed into October. So that could be good, especially with that Florida State game there looming. Um, so that could be interesting as well. 
So we haven't really got a chance to talk um, about sort of your expectations uh, for this football season. And we've heard a lot of people, you know, nine wins, ten wins. Um, But I want to ask you, what in your mind, like, you would consider, okay, this was a good year. If Louisville gets to this number of wins and does this, then it was a good year. Well, I think first and foremost, I think you have to beat Clemson and you have to beat UK. Those are my two non-negotiables for Mm -hmm. overall season success. Um, More so, I think, beating UK. I think if you lose to UK again, I just don't – I really don't think you can call the season success because – you know, if you want to throw the argument out, well, we beat Clemson, we beat Florida State, lose to UK. I'd much rather lose to both those teams than lose to UK. Sorry. Um, Agreed. Like at this point, Agreed. I can't. I can't take another ten, eleven months of hearing about you know football season from UK fans. Like, just uh, I'm over it. Um, it's cute. It's really. very cute, and I'm I'm definitely over it. So, um, you have to beat Clemson, I think, and you have to beat. Um, Kentucky and other than outside of that um, I think being competitive potentially beating Florida State listen if we beat Clemson and Florida State this season I don't know how unless something crazy happens where we lose to somebody we just shouldn't I don't know why what circumstance we're not in the playoff Um, and I know this is outrageous and I'm not really talking about my expectations anymore here but my expectations are (laughs) to beat Clemson and to beat Florida State to have a successful or beat uh, UK to have a successful season. I am with you on those two and I think that Louisville could be I'm going to say 11 and 1 because I'm too afraid to say a perfect season right. because <laughs> I know like, that you sound like me now <laughs> I know it, well I and I know and I get that everybody's talking about Florida State and you know Florida State's better I don't I don't know if Florida State is better I think DeAndre Francois is probably better I think that that defense for Florida State is better but Florida State is replacing a lot of guys on the offense and we heard Ryan talk about it um and we're still unsure about that Florida State offensive line so, the fact that Louisville smacked them last year here, do I expect Louisville to go to Tallahassee and smack them? No, I don't. I expect them to be in a dogfight in Tallahassee, especially if both teams are undefeated when that game comes around. Because then you're talking not only ACC Atlantic, but you're talking national championship final four spot on the line in that game. So I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be the best game or one of the best games of the season. Um, so, but I think that it's a game Louisville can win, and I think that it is almost expected universally that Louisville should and probably, hopefully, fingers crossed, will beat Clemson this year. Because if if you cannot beat them this year, then you should not beat them ever. Um especially given that you're playing them early in the year. They'll be breaking in a new quarterback. I think that this is the perfect time. If you're going to do it, you need to do it here. Um, so 
I think that that is the case. I think that uh, in order for it to be successful, Louisville has got to take care of Clemson. Again, take care of Kentucky because I'm with you. We can't handle that another year. And, you know, we only get basketball wins once every seven years. So <laughs> that is true. That is true. That that only comes around once in a while. It's like an eclipse every, you know, X amount of years we, we beat Kentucky in basketball. But and I think honestly, no, no coincidence that there's an eclipse this year and we beat Kentucky in basketball this I, most recent hey, season. So. Hey, I'm just saying yeah. I'm connecting dots here. Um, I think 10 wins is the basement for this football team. I think 11 wins um, is probably very realistic. And um, and I think you can expect that and not feel bad about expecting that. So that's all the time we've got for tonight, guys. Um, it was a great show. Again, shout out to Ryan Clark of Warchant.com for joining us. Next week, it's going to be another packed show. We're talking Wake Forest. We're talking Virginia. Who knows what else we'll get into but um, we had a great time with you guys. Again, make sure you share out the podcast. Let everybody hear it. For Lewis, I'm Taylor. This has been another episode of The Breakdown. We will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Go Cards, and we'll see you soon. Go Cards. And I throw this truck in gear.